1: Of the world, Steve Finger Style.
0: So, welcome to another rendition of The Podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products for the very first time, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com, use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They now ship worldwide. So, to all my international listeners, you could get whatever Black Belt CBD sells. They mostly have rub-ons and gels and sort of that stuff for inflammation. It's more geared towards your athlete, but everyday blue-collar workers, it works on you too because... Everyone has aches and pains, so if you want something for relief and that's good for you and no side effects or any of that, then you could use it on kids. You could use it on pets, whatever you need or want. There's no THC, so you won't get high. Don't worry about that. And if you're a woman, that's who happens to be listening to the show and you like to shop online, please go to poppyapparel.com. Use promo code podcast with a capital D. You'll get 10% off. They ship worldwide, and it's free shipping if you spend more than $50. They have everything a woman needs or wants, any shape or size, any season. They have it all. Like I said, they have shoes, they have dresses, they have shirts, hats, whatever women wear. Uh, again, I don't know. I might sound like an idiot right now talking about women apparel because obviously I don't know anything about it. But if you know what you want and you like to shop online, go to com. And if you're into nerd culture and you like to shop online for collectibles and sort of that stuff, go to firstrow.ca. This is First Row Collectibles. They are a Canadian company I like to support. Use promo code THEPODCAST20. You'll get 20% off. Everything you see there is in Canadian funds. So to all my American listeners, you will get it at a Canadian rate. So it's a little bit cheaper for you. And they update daily. So that's a good thing. So if you're into wrestling, comic books, video games, sports, memorabilia, signed cards, any of that sort of stuff, they have it there. Like I said, they update daily. And if you want to support me directly, please, if you scroll down on your device that you're listening to, it's embedded right there. Click on the link to go to my merchandise store. It's tpublic.com. And I got everything from hats to T-shirts, to hoodies, to onesies, to travel mugs. Anything you need or want, literally, it's there. That supports me directly. So please go do all that fun stuff. And lastly, this is the most important thing, the easiest thing anyone could do. It's free of charge. Takes you two seconds. Rate, subscribe, review on whatever platform you like to listen on. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, or iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is one in my opinion, of the best and most known video game composers out there. Former co-host of The Electric Playground and Reviews on a Run alongside, actually, the podcast alumni, Victor Lucas, the creator of Video Games Live, President and CEO of Intellivision, Mr. Tommy Tellerico. Yo! Thanks for having me. Thank you. Well, that's a pretty long list there. So what haven't you done in video games, my friend? (laughs) That is the
2: answer. (laughs) I haven't failed.
0: (laughs) That's a smart one. I wasn't expecting that. (laughs) So let's start at the beginning. Like I said, you were co-host at EP with Victor Lucas, obviously. You started it all with him. Okay, first off, how did you meet him? How did all that come to be? Did he approach you? Did you approach him?
2: Yeah, it's funny. It's actually the moment we first met is recorded, uh, and it's on YouTube. Anyone oh, wow. can check it out right now. Uh, we were at E3. It was the very, very first ever E3. I think okay. it was 1994. So 25 plus years ago. Wow. And um, I was just, I was working on Earthworm Jim 2 at the moment. Okay. Um, I think Madden Football I was working on at the time.
3: Yeah.
2: And I was wearing this really funny. Uh, Elvis Presley gold lamé jacket uh, with, uh, and I was wearing sunglasses because you know back then nobody knew who made any of these video games, and so that was kind of like my little way to uh, to do a little self promoting and and marketing, dressing up in crazy outfits, sure. and people would be like, who the hell's that guy? <laughs> so <laughs> so um, and it worked because Victor Lucas. Uh, and it had a camera crew, and he said, Who the hell is that guy? So he, he came over to me, and of course, he knew all the games that I'd worked on. Right. Uh, and he had known my name, but he, we had never met. So, so, uh, he you know he came he came up to me they started rolling the camera and he came up to me and you can even <laughs> hear him saying on film he goes he goes how do you pronounce your last name is it te- tell tolerico tellerico like how did really? so it, it was pretty funny and then we did this interview which was probably i don't know a minute and a half long like i said you can if you just put it on uh if you just look it up on uh youtube tommy yeah. Tellerico, victor lucas first meeting or whatever okay You'll see it up there, and um, and the interview you'll you'll see it. It, it. The interview we'd never met before, but the interview went so well, and we kind of had this you know immediate chemistry uh, on camera. And uh, about a week later, he said, you know, because electro playgirl didn't exist at this point, he was just shooting to come up with a trailer
3: oh, that he could then okay.
2: sell. To other people and get funding for to start a, a new tv show called the electric playground
3: right.
2: so uh and so it went so well that about a week later uh he you know he uh, wrote me and he said uh, hey would you like to be the host of this show and i'm <laughs> like
0: sure why not so uh <laughs> that's how it all started wow so what's the craziest thing to happen while you guys were shooting like live on like like the, r- the reviews on the run and stuff like that when you're actually out in public Um, I mean, we would get
2: kicked out of places all the time. So that was kind of always funny, because, you know, we never (laughs) really, you know, we were kind of this run and gun shooting. And we had a small crew, but we, it was rare that we ever got, like, actual permission to
0: shoot places. Right. Yeah, I think Vic mentioned that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We'd go to all these like rogue
2: places and and shoot it like 90% of the time it would work, but you know, 10% of the time security would come and get us and boot us out. Uh, so that was pretty fun. But I mean, so many amazing, I mean, we shot in places, everything from like meat lockers to, to, uh, a a hot tub in a hot tub together in Las Vegas. (laughs) So, um, we did some pretty, pretty, uh, crazy stuff. Uh, but uh yeah i mean gosh you know i mean some of the ones i remember the most of course are like the high heat baseball review
0: okay right uh
2: where i gave the game a zero and he gave it a (laughs) i think a four and a half and we just kind of uh screamed at well not screamed at each other we were we we are that was probably the most we ever argued right um and uh the, yeah that, that was a pretty funny one that's kind of a, a one of the you know, again look that one up on youtube <laughs> uh electric playground or reviews on the run high heat baseball
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i remember that and actually the other two things i remember about ep watching you guys together in the early days was first off like how frustrated you to make vic all the time during certain <laughs> reviews and okay for obviously. That was a little give-and-take. You was a yeah. bit more theatrical for TV. But at the same time, you really did frustrate them, didn't you?
2: Well, you know, the, the thing was is that, again, we're like brothers. You have to understand. You know, I mean, okay, we yeah. both respect each other so much. So, you know,
3: you knew that if we did agree on a certain game, right. then
2: you knew it must have been awesome, right, <laughs> if we both agreed on it. Of course. uh but you know, we, like I said, we're kind of like brothers from another mother. Right. Um, but we have, and, and some stuff we have exactly in common. Wow. But other stuff we're exact opposites, and that's what really makes for great chemistry. Right? But the reason that works is because we had so much uh, love and respect for one another. So he could give me crap, and I could give him <laughs> crap, and it and it worked. But. But what I would always try to do, and I would do this on purpose, because he's so easy to to do this, is I was right. always I would always try to make him feel uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. Because it made for great television, right? right. And
3: yeah.
2: and we we didn't we never had a script or anything like that. So so when we would go to review a game you know, we'd be in the car going to the next location to shoot and we'd never talk about the game ahead of time because we wanted to hear it for the first time as it came out of our mouths when we were recording it. So we we would never talk about the game. Now, going in, you know, I mean, we were together on TV for like 13 years. So, you know, (laughs) going in, we knew damn well, you know, I'm like, oh, Vic's going to hate this game and I'm going (laughs) to love it or he's going to love it and I'm going to hate it, you know um so there you know we we kind of knew probably where the, that the other person would like it or hate it um but there was a lot of surprises so when you see those reactions of us mm. on camera where i'm going like oh are you freaking crazy like that's real <laughs> like cuz i'm hearing it for the first time and- right Um, and so that was always our, our thing is that we would never, um, you know, we'd never talk, but there was amazing respect Mm. and, but I was always trying to make him feel uncomfortable. See, I was the loud mouth East coast Italian and he is the polite Canadian. (laughs) You couldn't get two more. So it was kind of like he was the good cop and I was the bad cop. Right. right? Um, and so we'd play that up a little bit, of course. But it was all natural, no script, no thinking about it ahead of time, and I think that's what made the show work so well, is that everything came across as genuine and passionate because it was, you
0: know? Right, exactly. Now, how many times did you take it too far and Vic was in the editing room, extra hours just trying to edit stuff out that you've done? (laughs) Oh god, ninety percent of the best
1: stuff (laughs) never made it to air. (laughs) I can only imagine because I have a bit of a potty mouth. (laughs) Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Vic Vic probably has enough tape on me to
2: blackmail me to the end of time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. <laughs> you should drop that as an extra dvd or something in the extras for if you ever drop the kp daily after i'm a billionaire after
3: this in television thing blows up right. i'm gonna to have to be making million dollar a month payments to victor lucas <laughs> to
0: not to release uh, all of those tapes <laughs> oh my God. that's fucking you know, hilarious i'm in television now right i'm like the family friendly guy you, you know? know what it's that like, is true family friendly but again for my friends who know me they know <laughs> i can uh you know,
2: swear up a storm and I'm the most politically uncorrect person because I like a joke, you know, I like a laugh, you know, I'm not like a straight-laced, you know, I I like to have fun and and no one's off limits to me, you know, I'll make Italian, I'm 100% Italian, I'll make Italian jokes, I'll make fun of myself, I don't care, you know, but, uh, yeah, that's because that's that's a very East Coast Italian thing to do, right? And I'm from Massachusetts, and Mass—I'm oh, well, okay. like what they call a Masshole. You know, <laughs> so we love uh, East Coasters love kind of poking fun at everybody and ourselves, <laughs> and, and Italians especially. It's our way of of like affection. Of you know what I mean. Like 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 if we make
0: fun of each other, that's mm-hmm. me
2: saying like, "Hey, I really like you." <laughs>
0: No, again, you're speaking to the choir. I, I grew up in Toronto. My background is uh, full-blooded Portuguese. So, and I grew up with a lot of Italians as well. So we're always ball-breaking each other in high school and all that. And again, yeah, it's true. It was a sign of affection. You are part of the crew, right?
3: That's right,
0: exactly. <laughs> oh, man. And then the other thing I remember was your infinite love for Spider-Man. Yes. Where did all this come from? When did you first lay eyes on Spider-Man? When did you fall in love with it? What's the whole oh, deal? That's a,
2: that's a great question. Not a lot of people ask me that. Um, so... I uh, so I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts, and I don't know if you had this experience experience when you were younger. But, uh, you know, back in the 70s growing up or 70s and 80s, you know, I grew up in an Italian neighborhood and and, uh, um, well, yeah, I mean, it was Italian, Irish, Polish, but it was, you know, it was a, um, you know, great neighborhood to grow up and about a mile away from where. The neighborhood was. We had this. Um, we had a. Uh, it was like a, a pharmacy okay. kind of store, like a drug store. Right. Um, and it was called Parker uh, Parker Drugs, and it had one of those. Old, you know, old style comic book rotating things, you know, where it was just like a metal thing and you could rotate it around, and and you know they'd have Mad Magazine and Spider Man and DC and all that stuff and all the Marvel stuff,
3: Mm -hmm.
2: and and so when you're like seven, eight years old, back in the day, you know, I don't know how old you are, but back in the seventies and eighties, you know our parents would just let us like, okay, just be back by the time the streetlights come are on. on, you yes. know, that, that was it. So we'd go out and play all day long. And, and <laughs> you, again, you could, you know, now it's like, you know, it's a whole different world. Right. And, yep. and, you know, you pretty much have to have a GPS tracker on your kid <laughs> and you don't let them out of your sight um, these days. But back in the day, it was like, you'd leave the house in the morning, you'd go play with your friends all day, as long as yep. you're home for dinner and streetlights. But, but when you're like seven years old, um, one of the big things in our neighborhood was if you got on your bike and if you could ride that one mile, again, think it's seven, eight years old, <laughs> right. you could ride that one mile. Like if we would get 50 cents right? Uh, and there was an ice cream shop there. I mean, it was, you know, it was like the center of downtown sure. uh, in this area called 16 Acres okay. in Springfield. Um, and so... That was like a big thing, you know, to to like pedal our bikes a a mile away and then a mile back. So we get 50 cents or we do our chores and we do whatever. You get a dollar a week for our, you know, thing. So you'd save up that money and and we'd take trips down there on the weekend. And for me, um, you know, I would always buy like my reward to myself was I got to buy this Spider-Man comic book every month they would come out and i you know we'd be the first ones there in the morning and to get this thing but i think one of the reasons why i'm so attached to spider-man is that you know when i was seven years old mm-hmm. um and I read Amazing Spider-Man issue 121, okay. The Death of Gwen Stacy. See, I had a crush on Gwen Stacy. Oh. And, you know, it was Peter Parker's girlfriend. Right. Um, and so, you know, I had a crush on her. and <laughs> and, um, and so when she died in that issue, that was the first time anyone in my life, be it real or not, Right. passed away
0: oh wow. like i like i had my my grandparents were still alive right. like none
2: of my friend's parents
0: died I okay. Aunts, uncle right, no right. one in
2: my life had died so i didn't even know really that death existed
0: wow like i didn't
2: you know like it was a different world back then didn't have the internet of didn't course. have all these crazy violent movies you know <laughs> right um
1: the most violent movie i th- think i saw back then was like willy wonka and the chocolate factory <laughs> like, you know, well. scaring me
2: on the freaking wonkatania ride or whatever but <laughs> <Right>. um <laughs> And so when Gwen Stacy died, I I remember going up to my mom saying, what, why is dead? What, where did she go? She went to heaven in this. So that was my first connection to death, to someone dying. And it it just, it had like an emotional effect on me. So that's probably, I'm just guessing that probably has something to do with, um, you know, my, my my love and passion for Spider-Man. In -hmm. fact, as you may or may not know, I have an entire room in my house dedicated, uh, to Spider-Man. And I've, I've known to have, uh, the, uh, the, the, most complete and greatest Spider-Man collection in the world. Um, I literally have every single Spider-Man, including all the crossovers and everything, oh, uh, from the very first Amazing Fantasy 15, wow. uh, all the way to about 10 years ago every every version of every comic and in in near mint condition or very fine vf plus Um, so it's known as the biggest and best spider-man collection in the world Uh, so that's that i have in that room as well but every action figure and life-size thing and spider-man pinball machines
0: and pillows and (laughs) couches right (laughs) it's pretty crazy oh my so what's your favorite spider-man game then i'm curious now the one I worked on, but I'm being biased. So,
2: <laughs> I, I, but but no, but a lot of people say it was their favorite of all okay. time, which was Spider-Man on the on the uh, PlayStation One. Right. Yeah, I'll tell you why because it was the very first Spider-Man three D game. Yes. And so when you kind of like were idle and if you didn't do anything, Spidey would. You know, uses web and he hit the ceiling and he would and he would swing upside down in that in his pose, right? Um, and he would just hang there. That was like no one had ever seen anything like that before with Spider-Man. So, um, and, and the thing was, that was the game I worked on. So I, I was a, a part of the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater team. Oh, okay. it was like about ten or twelve of us who worked on the game, uh, and that was with NeverSoft. Mm-hmm. And we had gotten the spider after, you know, after uh, Tony Hawk was, you know, huge hit, 20 million units sold or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the next game we worked on, well, we're working on Tony Hawk too, but, but, you know, they pretty much could have any license they could with Activision at that point. Activision had nice. Spider-Man, so we did Spider-Man. So that was like a huge, huge deal for me, and my passion uh, was Spider-Man. I got to hang out with Stan Lee for a week, yeah. recorded his voice for the game. Became yeah. That was the first time I met Stan Lee and, cool. and formed a uh, you know 25-year relationship with him after that, uh, like a friendship, we'd email each other all the time. It's right. funny. I remember emailing Stan it was because he had a he had an a o l account oh. like I did so <laughs> okay. I still have an a o l account personal account right. and um and so I remember uh you know sending him pictures of my spider man room, and I have this email I have it printed out, and it's okay. in my room and he he just writes back and he goes, "Kid, you got
0: a problem <laughs> <laughs> coming from him, Wow. Right,
2: right. And, uh, but, but he was actually, uh, when I did my very first video games live concert okay. at uh, at the Hollywood Bowl, right? Um, he came to the show. I invited him to the show. He goes, oh, I'd love this show. And he did the red carpet and wow. he did the autograph session. It was pretty funny. I put him next to Hideo Kojima, you know, the creator of Metal Gear Solid. Of course, yeah. Uh, he flew out from Japan. As well oh, wow. as as my guest, okay. Uh, you know, because he wanted to be there at the Hollywood Bowl. They, people don't realize how big a show that was, and how you yeah. know how how influential that was on the entire video game industry. But I had Yuji Naka there, the creator of Sonic the Hedgehog, wow. Halo creators, w- uh, Blizzard creators, Warcraft, uh, you know, Nintendo. I mean, everyone was there, right? And uh, but I remember I sat Stan Lee next to. Um, Uh, Hideo Kojima in the autograph session and of course we had like thousands of people lined up before the show to come and meet you know there was like 20 of us in the meet and greet all the video game industry's greatest people from around the world Mm -hmm. and I just remember Stan Lee leaning over to me and he goes because like the line for Hideo Kojima was actually like twice as long as Stan Lee's okay And, and Stan Lee leads over to me goes hey Tommy who the heck is this guy sitting next to me it's pretty funny who the heck
0: is this guy that's classic oh my goodness well before we get into video games live one last question here uh, about reviewing games okay so you've worked on over 300 games and you said it right now you're biased towards your spider-man game that you worked on but how hard was it sometimes to review games that you worked on
2: You know what it was? I mean, games that I worked on. You know, it was a little, it was a little awkward because I never lied or pulled punches. I always said with what I feel. Gotcha. And I think that came across incredibly. You know, in the show, and so you know when you work on a game with with a team of people for like two years. And then I have to go on worldwide, not national, but worldwide television mm-hmm. and slag off a game that I myself worked on and, and, and in the trenches with my own team, you know, you can you can imagine showing up at work the next Monday right. morning, uh, <laughs> you know. <laughs>
0: but,
2: but the reality is, is that when you're working on a game and it's not that great, right? the team knows it. you know the team knows it and again i would never exaggerate and i mean and i i would get shit from people like like for example i i think i gave metroid prime now this is a game i worked on for five years with shigeru miyamoto right and uh and shigeru i call him shiggy um his (laughs) friends call him shiggy getting shiggy with it um so shiggy um I mean, we we've known each other 30 years and we were always talking about doing a game together. We got to do a game together. And I remember him coming up. We were at a Nintendo party at E3. Uh, Gosh, it must have been nineteen ninety eight or something or ninety nine. I don't know when it was. But um, and I remember him coming up to me and he says, hey, Tommy, come over here. And we kind of sat, you know, look, we're in a corner. And he goes, I, I have the project. He goes, you know, how would you like to work on Metroid Prime? I, wh- we're rebooting Metroid. And, like, no one knew about it. He's like, oh, we're rebooting okay. Metroid. What? Um, and so that was pretty amazing. But um, but I, so I worked on that game for five years. And even on the show, if people who knew me, you know, I'm not really a big first-person shooter kind of guy and right. and, you know, I was more of a PlayStation guy mm-hmm. than a than a Nintendo guy. Just my you know, my style was more, you know I mean I love Goldeneye and the N sixty four, don't get me wrong, but but I was more like Uncharted and Tomb Raider and yep. that kind of, you know, third person adventure, un you know, um, as opposed to like, you know, first person you know, Nintendo thing. So mm-hmm. I gave the game a seven point five okay. on the show. Which was which was very low right. for that game. I mean most oh. people gave that game, you know, nine and a half, ten or whatever. Awesome. I, I, I might have even given it an eight or eight and a half. I don't I don't remember exactly. I just remember it wasn't like a ten. Right. And people like would be so mad at me. <laughs> I can't believe you gave it such a th- I'm like, I worked on it. Right. So anyone who says I was biased to my own games, doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Um, I mean and even Advent <laughs> Rising, there's a game I worked on for like three and a half years. Okay. I loved everyone on the team. I loved the concept. Right. But again I gave it like a seven and a half. Wow. Um, that's right. I, I think I gave Metro Point an eight and a half and people got pissed at me because mm. I didn't give it a nine or a ten. Um, but I gave it, you know Advent Rising a seven and a half. I thought that was a very fair score, it had some control issues, this and that, but but I love the storyline. I love this and that but um but yeah it was was tough you know and well i'll tell you a funny story about that um so as you know you're probably aware i gave high heat baseball 2003 i gave it a zero right hated everything about it very funny review for people who don't (laughs) know they should check it out on youtube um and so (laughs) about i don't know 10 years ago um you know, so it would have been around 2010 or whatever, like you know, seven years after the review.
3: Okay.
2: I'm at a party at E3, and a dude comes up to me.
3: <laughs> All right.
2: Uh, dude, I, I had no idea who he was or whatever. He comes, "Hey," he goes, "Tommy, uh, Tommy Telerico." I said, "Yeah, how you doing, man? You're great." He goes, "He goes, look, I got to tell you something, um, but I don't want you, I don't want to freak you out or anything." I said, "What's that?" He goes, "So, um, yeah, I was the."
3: Uh, I was the producer of High Heat Baseball two thousand and three. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> and I'm like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> right? And he was loud. He goes, no, no, that. Don't worry about it. Okay. I. I, I we knew, you know. You, like I said, you know. You know, right. it, It's very rare
2: that you know, like you know. When you have, you know, when you, because a lot of times it's, you know, people have a lot of passion for stuff, but it just falls short. Maybe it was a technology thing. Maybe it was an art thing. Maybe it was a design thing. But most of all, it's a budget thing, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you ran out of time or you ran out of budget. Of course. Um. So people know there's, you know, (laughs) now, but there has been games that you work on for a long time. And you're like, Oh my God, this is going to be a 10. Like you, like you feel like this is a big one.
3: Yeah.
2: And then like they screw up the marketing and then the game never gets, you know, it's like an amazing game that like no one ever plays. Um, so that happens all the time. But then there's other games Mm -hmm. where you work on them and you go, um, gosh, you know, um, yeah, this is a pretty cool game. One of those games for example was Tony Hawk Pro Skater. Right. We were working on it internally going like, "Wow, we're really having a lot of fun with this, but who the hell is going to buy a skateboarding game?" Like, you know, even Activision, I remember when I was doing my contract and royalties <laughs> with them and bonuses, You know, I was like, so how many units do you think you're going to sell? They're like, well, you know, EA has their skate and die game. That did about 100,000 units on the PlayStation. You know, we think we're going to do our PlayStation and we're going to do it on, I think, Dreamcast and, I don't know, N64. Um, So, you know, we think that we'll probably be able to do 200,000 units, 225,000 maybe. That's about our break even point past that. Um, I'm like, okay, great. And so I, I kind of formed my royalties and uh bonuses around 225,000 units so every 225,000 units i would get a big bonus check gotcha and uh anyway long story short 25 million units later
3: (laughs) wow good (laughs) for uh, you that was uh that helped me uh buy
2: a new house
3: (laughs)
0: there you go (laughs) that's awesome so sometimes you never know like we it's true none of us would have ever like if like you know like a a
2: pie in the sky oh my god if things went great right. uh you know maybe we'd sell a million units I, i'll give you another example guitar hero oh uh you know when when uh i was helping the original guitar hero team okay. and the guitar hero you'll see my name in the credits so guitar hero one guitar hero two oh, wow. uh guitar hero aerosmith which i helped put together the deal and uh, and that was another one because people are like, who the hell is going to buy a big plastic guitar for yeah. like one game? True. And no retailer or store is ever going to carry this right. because it's such a big thing and a big hunk of plastic for 70 <laughs> bucks and it's stupid. But again, you know, we knew that when you play the game, you felt like a rock star. And, and if anyone knew what that feeling was like, it was me because I was doing it on stage for real. And when I would play the game... <laughs> And it would give me that same feeling as if I was playing on the Hollywood Bowl, you know. Really? So um, I knew it was going to be a big, a big, big success and big hit, but uh, not many other people did.
0: No, it's true. Like I remember the first talk about it, like exactly like you said, who wants all this extra stuff in their house and clunky shit in, in the stores? But hey, yeah, yeah, it became a phenomenon, right? Yeah. Now, okay, let's get into video games. Live. Speaking of music, and you were just talking about a Hollywood Bowl and all that. So you started video games live back in 2002 now is that when you first performed or is that when you first came up with the idea no, that's, when I, that's when we
2: incorporated and put okay. out our first press release and got signed by william morris talent agency um but yeah it took us three years to put on that first show at the hollywood bowl so the first show uh was july 7th uh 2005 uh, but we started the
0: company in 2002 19 years ago and for those who don't know what is video games live? Just in case they live in a yeah, under video a rock. Video games live is all the greatest video game
2: music of all time performed by a you know huge symphony and choir, um, and you know it's it's. It's you know video screens synchronized to massive video screens and, and a stage show production and rock and roll lighting and nice. interactive elements with the crowd, a lot of comedy okay. as well. And so I like to describe it as having all of the power, all of the energy and excitement of a rock concert, mm-hmm. but mixed together with all the cutting edge visuals and technology and interactivity and fun that video right. games provide.
0: And now how do you decide on a game? Is it something that you're just thinking of at night? Or is it something that, again, like you said, you can incorporate and do more visually than others? Like, what's, what's no, the process? the music has to be great. I don't, okay. I don't care how well-known or not well-known the game is. Okay,
3: it right. has to
2: have great music. I, I gotcha. won't put in a great game that has crappy music. Okay, It's got to have great music first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the show that wasn't like, massive triple a platinum you know games like beyond good and evil and Mm. and even stuff like undertale and shadow of the colossus you know some some maybe games that people wouldn't expect to see or okami or Mm. phoenix Wright. you know those are all kind of segments we have in the show i've created over 200 segments for video games live but i can only play about 18 of them a night that equals about a two and a half hour performance so there's so much stuff that that we have but has to have great music that's the first and foremost thing and um you know, after that, it really doesn't matter.
0: So you said you do 18 a night. So do you uh, rotate through them? And when you go yeah. back to a different city, so In like fact, that we've, people... We've done over
2: okay. 520 performances and we've yeah. never played the same show twice. Every That's night crazy. is a diff- different set list. Because I let the audience decide. So all I'll go oh. have them go on our Facebook page. And okay. We create Facebook events page for all our shows.
3: Right. And, uh, you know,
2: when you see uh, video games live um you can go in there and, and I, basically it's me in the in the thing and i go hey tell me what you want to hear
0: oh that's it's so cool crap
2: the set list around what what the people want who are going to see the
0: show and like you said you have uh incorporated comedy and all that so do you hire people from locally or do you bring your own talent everywhere like uh, what's going to have special guests every so often yeah well depending on where we
2: are we'll have special guests special co- guest composers or you know uh game designers or whatever um and but yeah wherever we go we use the symphony so if we're playing in houston it's the houston symphony if we play in washington dc it's the national symphony orchestra if we play in brazil it's the brazil national symphony or whatever so it's whatever the highest symphony is um and they're usually the ones that hire us to do the show
0: oh that's pretty cool and you just recently got back from qatar is that correct yeah, Doha Cut, Cutter, yeah. Or Cutter, yeah, that's it. They played there with the National Symphony. That's crazy. was so,
2: are fifth year in a row
0: playing there, and they already have us year. coming back in
2: 2021. In fact, uh, the folks from Kuwait were at that show, and once they saw the show, they came backstage during the 20-minute intermission and said, hey, we want to do three shows with you guys uh at, at uh, january of 2021 we're like bring it on here we go let's go to kuwait why
0: the hell not <laughs> so is there anywhere you haven't been that you still want to hit yes there's one country i've I played in over
2: 43 countries and wow. most of those countries
0: that we've played in right. we were
2: the very first live video game performance ever Really? Um, with the exception of like germany and japan okay. everywhere else we were the first to play Um, but, um, There's one country that's eluded me, Oh, the most important of all that I have yet to do, although we're talking to some
3: people now. uh, Italy. Oh! I've played my own damn home country of Italy, (laughs) and I'm very upset about it.
2: I mean, I've even played my hometown. Remember I was telling you earlier where I grew up, Springfield, Massachusetts? Yeah. I played a couple years ago. I played with the Springfield Symphony at Springfield Symphony Hall, with the musicians who I grew up listening to, I mean, I had tears in my eyes the entire night. Oh, wow. It was so emotional for me. Um, and, and all my friends who grew up were were there, this big sold-out show, 2,000 seats, and they had a big, the symphony threw a big, huge party for me at the Marriott Hotel across the street afterwards. Oh. So I had like hundreds of my friends and families there. It was one, one of my greatest memories of video games live, and I've had a lot of them. But, um, but yeah, I haven't played Italy yet, damn it.
0: <laughs> That's for all the years of you making fun of your own kind, you see. Exactly. It's <laughs> karma. It's coming back to bite you now. <laughs> well, everyone always talks about the good stuff. I want to hear the juicy stuff that happens that no one ever wants to touch on. What's the craziest... Thing to happen like did, have you ever lose your instruments or someone not show up or like does the sound system go bad halfway through through a performance and any stuff yeah, like that happen keep
3: going all that stuff's <laughs> happen. go ahead are you more. serious <laughs> <laughs> yeah when you when you do
0: 520 live performances okay. which by the way is a guinness world record wow we're the yeah, the the most uh we're
2: the longest running um, the most performances ever done by a touring symphony show ever. Sure. Um, that's one of the Guinness uh, World Records I have. Um, nice. The other one for this show, which is really interesting for video games live, uh-huh. is it's the biggest symphony show ever seen live. Seven hundred and twenty? Was it seven hundred and? I don't know what the hell it was. It's, it's like 720,000 people. Wow. Right? All seeing one show. Well, I played the Bird's Nest okay. in uh, the National uh, Olympic Stadium in Beijing, oh, China. 130,000 people in the stadium, 600,000 people watching outside. It was unbelievable. There's, there's footage of that. If you, if you put okay. in video games live, right. uh, Bird's Nest – in youtube you'll see it i'm a little dot on the stage but (laughs) you'll see me 250 musicians on stage 10 led screens that were 100 feet long 800 moving lights i even had a synchronized um synchronized led waterfalls uh like you know water features all around the stage it was freaking unbelievable um so that was pretty fun. And
0: I was going to say, but, how, how nerve-wracking is that though? With that many people? Were you? And again, did you know ahead of time? I never, I never get nervous. You know, it's oh, funny. Okay. People will see me pace back and forth, right, right before
3: the show, and, okay, and okay. they come up to me. They go, "Oh, are you nervous?" Yeah. And I, I said, "No, I'm like a tiger in a cage. Let me the fuck out." <laughs> you know, so, <laughs> you know it's, it's, awesome. not a, it's not a
2: nerve thing. It's okay. like I want to get out there. I want to get out there. The other thing that people always say before you go on stage is a you know a funny thing that people always say in in entertainment they mm-hmm. they say you know they'll go on stage and they'll always say hey Tommy
3: break a leg <laughs> and it's a very you know typical thing to say and, and I always say the same thing I'm like hey
2: I'm Italian it's what we do <laughs> um, <laughs> we break legs that's what we do um, but um, some of the some of the crazy I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a, a really one of my favorite crazy stories.
0: All right, perfect.
2: Is that um, so? We were playing a show in uh, in in, in uh, China. Okay. And this wasn't the big the big show, but this was a pretty big show. There was like uh, there was probably sixty thousand people there that I was performing in front of. All right. We were with the National Taiwan Symphony or something and and this is basically this is on youtube as well this whole story which is freaking even more hilarious okay so sixty thousand people (laughs) in the audience i'm on stage and and i get an email about six months before the show
3: right
2: from concert promoter and the concert and we get these kind of emails all the time the concert promoter says hey do you know what song you're doing for the encore Mm. and i said uh i say yeah um that particular show, we were doing One-Winged Angel, as like the encore, okay. uh, as you do, Final Fantasy VII. And uh, I said, yeah, uh, he goes, can you send me the, 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 do you have a recording of it? I said, yeah, you know, and we play on a click track so we know the exact timing every single time because we have to synchronize it to the video and everything. Right. So I said, yeah, here you go, here's the recording, it's going to be exactly like that. They're like, great. I said, why? They said, well, we're going to do a bunch of fireworks. Oh. as the grand finale, we're going to like light off fireworks. I'm going to synchronize them with this song.
3: Okay.
2: I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah, whatever. And I sent him the MP3. And and like I said, promoters say this kind of stuff all the time. you know, like, uh, Oh yeah, we're going to have a 60 foot Mario head outside the <laughs> arena. You know, they never do. Sure. Um, <laughs> um, so I show up and we have the rehearsal, two days of rehearsals. In fact, and, and, uh, and I completely forgot about, you know, the guy's email.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I go off stage. Okay, We've, We just knocked it out of the park. Amazing show. 60,000 people on their feet. And I come off the stage and that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, shoot, we're, we're getting ready to do One Winged Angel. And I'm like holy crap, I totally forgot <laughs> that guy's freaking email. But, you know, we didn't rehearse anything. So, so I, I walk up to, to my conductor. I'm like, did anyone ever mention anything to you about uh, fireworks? He's like, no. What do you mean? And I'm like, ah, oh, just something <laughs> stupid. Never mind. And I get on the headset with my lighting designer. Okay. My lighting director, Chad. And I said, uh, I said, Chad, uh, anyone, uh, Talk to you about doing fireworks or anything? He goes, no, of course not. I mean, you know, fireworks. You know, you're a fire marshal. You need, you know, you have rehearsals. Or you have the court you peep, section people. No, of course not. Okay, yes. What? Right, well, well, you go. Why do you ask? Ah, this guy sent me an email. The promoter sent me an email six months ago. Never mind. Just no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so now we go out on stage. Now keep in mind, this is communist China. Right. Okay. <laughs> so. Yep. Which you know have been known there's been rumors that they don't really give two shits about their people. Okay. <laughs> Communism. So so and I there's a lot that I love about China, but there's a lot that I don't either. But the both hate relationship. Okay. So we're in China. Now I'm coming out, two hundred musicians on stage, China National Symphony, or whatever the hell they were, Taiwan National Symphony or something. Sure. And we here we go with one winged angel and it starts. Dun, dun, Done right and and there's this part about 30 seconds into the song where i do a big guitar slide and my guitar comes in and okay. the drums come in a big you know big drum throw right right and so so here we go and we're going and now here comes my big guitar moment and the drum roll comes in and as soon as i hit that first note the whole fucking stage starts lighting up with fireworks i mean they the whole stage is rigged they didn't tell a single goddamn one of us and the shit's blowing up everywhere boom 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 we yeah, you can see me on camera laughing my ass off because and 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 the conductor i look over the conductor and he's just like arms in the air like oh, i don't know what the <laughs> hell is going on and we're laughing like hell the thing the shit is so loud that you can't even hear the music i couldn't hear you just see me at one point in the video right. i just the guitar, like i i stopped playing the guitar because i have no idea where i am in the song and i have a <laughs> i keep my guitar's pretty loud not like the who loud but right. but but, but uh, like You know, Van Halen loud? No, but I and I don't wear in ears because they bug me. So I have a thing. You know, I have a I have a wedge right in front of me on stage, and it's kind of loud. I could not hear a damn thing, and and then I would like walk two feet, and then something would explode in front of me. Whoa, okay, and I'd like walk (laughs) the other direction, and then something would blow up in my face there, and and they had the whole stage rigged to where fireworks were. Firing from the sides, from the floor, off the top. Now, my dad happened to be on this tour with me. Okay. I took him around and, you know, he was a lot more mobile back then. I think it was just 2007 or 2008. Right. And... Um, and my dad, you know, usually sits in front of me. You know, where I am, I'm on stage left. So if you're in the audience, I'm on the right-hand side of the stage, if you're looking at the stage. Mm-hmm. And so my dad's usually like five or ten rows back right in front of me. Well, my dad was wearing a, you know, those uh, baseball jackets. They're kind of like, uh, you know, the, it was like a New York Yankees jacket. And it's,
0: but it's that like, really like satin yep. material. Like I know the exactly old what you're talking one, about. Like the yeah. 70s and 80s. You yeah, those? like the starter jackets. Yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. what okay. that is, exactly. Um,
2: and so my dad was wearing a Yankees jacket like that, okay. and I just remember. I, and so I'm looking out in the audience, laughing my ass off. I can't hear a damn thing, <laughs> um, and and the whole stage is exploding, and and the again, this is communist China. There's there's no like you know, oh, we have to be sure like shit's in order. <laughs> the, I look out in the audience, and the first twenty rows are just getting hailed upon with like fire and, and ash. And, <laughs> you, know, like, you know, like the firework stuff, nice. right? Oh it's my just, God. It's just like raining into the audience. And I remember looking at my dad and he's literally on fire. Like he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's got his hand and he's like trying to put out his jacket. He's like, Oh, 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 oh. And, 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 and we still have the jacket, and it's hilarious because it's got burn marks everywhere. Right. It. It's like that molten
3: ash stuff that you yeah. see,
2: like, when a firework explodes. Of course. And it's just hailing into the audience, oh. like uh, like no one's business. But then, wait, it gets better. This, this is more what? even more funny. Okay. <laughs> so then, right before my big solo happens… Oh, yeah. And they didn't tell us this at all. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, both sides of the stage, here comes about 50 scantily clad Final Fantasy cosplayers. What? <laughs> and they all come out, 25 from each side, okay. and they're Clapping again. This is all on video. You can watch. Clapping. i got And and they come out and they totally block me. So now so now so picture this. I'm soloing. I can barely hear my solo because shit's exploding all around me. I'm laughing like hell because my dad's on fire and 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 my conductor can't hear a damn thing either. No one can see me because all of these, like, stripper chicks are like, you know, uh, stripper, uh, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, heiresses and, and everyone are like you know uh all over the place the audience is on fire wow and just like it's the, just the funniest moment ever and then oh. what happened is the guys who were doing the fire marks, w- fireworks must have totally screwed up because okay. at the end of the song you know also when the song ends if you remember final fantasy 7 it ends by going set that off and that and then it ends like <laughs> okay. that right Well, this dude must have been like, oh, crap. Forgot the grand finale. Oh, no. So the song ends, and then all of a sudden, and everybody starts cheering, and then the guy must have been like, oh, shit. And boom, he starts just hitting all of the grand finale. So the things stop, and then all of a sudden, you just start seeing for like 10 seconds every firework they had all at once after the song was over. And the audience is laughing, But, like, freaking out cheering because the grand finale is happening. It was so freaking funny. So you asked me what my most memorable or thing that went wrong. That, nothing can top that. Oh,
0: my God. That's (laughs) awesome. I don't think I've laughed this hard on the podcast in ages. My God. So thank you for that alone. Oh, my goodness. That was good. (laughs) Oh, I could talk all day about video games live, but, and we're about almost at the one hour mark soon. And I want to touch on television and obviously the Dumbass of the Week. So, yeah. Let's get right into Intellivision then. How did you become okay. the CEO and president of Intellivision? Holy crap.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean it's amazing. I mean for me, you know, my my first well, not my first video game system because I did have a Coleco Telstar like a Pong machine before that. Oh, but okay. the first but the first machine I felt, you know, yeah. passion and and You know, uh, when I think of my family growing up and everything, when I think of growing up, I think of the Intellivision. That was my machine. You know, my mom, my dad, my younger brother, we all played it together. My friends would come over. You know, it was a huge part of my childhood, so you know, I remember dreaming when I was 10 years old, 12 years old, I remember dreaming about someday, you know, wouldn't it be amazing if I was the president of Intellivision? You know, that was like, wow. you know, when little kids were growing up, they're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'm a fireman, I'm an astronaut. <laughs> I was like, I want to be the president of Intellivision. Right. Uh, so, so and, and, and I have crazy. all these like drawings, I would always draw like the Intellivision logo, and right. I would draw all like, make screenshots of the game and i would design the games on graph paper and shit so i actually have all those too still to this day and it was funny people growing up you know when you had those old kind of insta cameras and shit mm-hmm. people would like you know take pictures of like them and their
0: pets or yeah. like a cousin would come over <laughs> right? picture their mom and stuff and i got all those too yeah, yeah. but but I would take pictures
3: of me and my television, <laughs> <laughs> and me and my
2: television game. So right. I have like a ton of pictures of me posing next to my big old wood grain TV console okay. with like my high score from Astro Smash, um, <laughs> or my you know my my victory in baseball against my dad or something. Right. So um, so that was me growing up. And so, you know, if you can imagine what it's like now for me, it's, it's, you know, you, I, I'm a big believer in positive, uh, you know, uh, positive, uh, you know, positive energy, positive mental thinking. Yeah. Um, and so for me, you know, I have a vision board. I look at it every day oh, wow. and, uh, and that's just how I live my life. It's the way my, father and, and, and mother raised me you know I mean I was reading like books like Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill when I was like 12 years old. Uh, right. you know if you've ever seen the movie or read the book The Secret, um, mm-hmm. it's unbelievable, I'm a huge believer I recommend anyone out there please, please, please I think it's free on Netflix go watch yep. The Secret tonight, it will change your freaking life and I can tell you that everything in there it's just, a, you know the, the, the power of positive mental thinking is, yeah. is basically what it is and and so for me, you know I, I feel like, whether it was video games live or in television like I manifested this stuff in my life mm. uh, from the time I was a kid like when I was 10 years old I used to put on video game concerts for my friends. I shit oh, wow. you not. I would go down to the local arcade. Right. I would, my dad's big ass tape recorder with like the eight <laughs> D batteries. The yeah. fucking thing was like you know was as big as like a laptop is now, but tw- three times as thick. Thick. Yep. And I'd haul that down to the Dream Machine. That was our local arcade at the Eastfield Mall. Yeah. And I would record all my favorite video games, wow. like your sounds, like, you know, it would be like Pac-Man and Donkey Kong, and, you know, there wasn't a lot of music back then. And then I'd bring that home, I'd invite my neighborhood friends over, I'd put my favorite video games on the TV, hit play on the recorder, and I'd pick up a guitar, and I'd charge my friends a nickel, you know, <laughs> it was a money-making scheme too, don't get me wrong, and I would perform, you know, video games concerts you know like like so this is this is what i'm talking about like you know all this stuff uh you know it's not luck It it all it's all just the the, you know the the power of positive thinking and and uh you know really um you know really just kind of amazing stuff so um so, yeah, it's all just
0: natural for, you know, the whole thing, of course, it had to be this way. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. No, that's all. Well, even with myself, I, see, I'm just, I was the same way as you. I, I'm in my 40s, so I grew up in yeah. the 80s, 90s, right? Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> so, back then, we had to make our own entertainment. So, you know how it is, Right. <laughs> Yep. So in my case, but see, I was embarrassed to be a fan. I don't know why. Maybe because of my parents, and they shamed me when I used to play video games, and they would huh. take away the cord because I grew up on ColecoVision, right? That was my first yeah, console. Yep. That was my shit. So, yep. and then I, as Did you I grew, you Smurfs. Smurfs, yes. Smurfs was Did you a have good Rocky one. Boxing. No. Oh, dude, that was a shit. And uh, my, one of my favorites was Looping, which looping? was an arcade
2: translation.
0: I don't know what, what I had. I, I talked with this. I had Steve Tilley on, and I talked about it with him. I had Gorf was a big one in my house. I yeah. liked Gorf. Uh, Tarzan, believe it or not, that was a good one.
2: Uh, and, uh, James Bond,
0: did you have that one? <coughs> no, I didn't have James Bond. I had
2: all, and I had the Super Action
0: Pro Controller, so you had Which the baseball that? and the football. That was epic. Track mm. uh, and Field, I had that for Coleco. Mousetrap was another big one.
3: Yeah, yeah.
0: That was good, Mouse too. Mousetrap was the same people who did looping oh okay there you go and there was so many other you know i can't think of them but to get to my point i used to play instruments as a child too like i was big into the saxophone and i would pick up like i was able to i could read music but i would listen and play it back right i I guess i had that talent to do that but i was embarrassed to show it off so i wasn't like you where i will charge people and do it i would do it on my own and even to the point i have a total napoleon complex (laughs) and
2: and i love showing off so to me it was just natural
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome even to the point where i would uh hook up my vhs to my to my genesis and i would record mortal kombat and make my own story i'd be like Uh okay now like you know what i mean do all that stuff but again it was i was just so embarrassed to show anyone and this and that again maybe because of my parents and the way they shamed me or maybe because the lack of them putting anything into me but Uh, anyways i digress but But, see here you are
2: 30 years later doing it for real isn't it great
0: well that is true like even thinking talking to you i remember seeing a review and i brought this up with vic too where i saw you guys reviewing the first resident evil on playstation and i was i think in portugal at the time and i was maybe nine no 18 at the time and right there and then that's when i fell into refell in love with video games because i fell off a bit and because of uh-huh. you guys, you brought me back in, right? And now to speak to both of you at different times, like this is my mind blown, right? So it's full circle, as they say. Awesome. But back to television. Okay, you also have like, what's this whole thing with Amico? Like, why is it t- in television? Is it just in television? Is it Amico in television? Amico.
2: Yeah, I mean, so you know, in, in television, I, I, uh, you know, I um, help to, uh, you know. Uh, keep the company going and we started a new entity in television entertainment but it's really I mean we have four people at the company that have been there since 1981 wow. uh, but kind of you know took over as CEO about two and a half years ago and my vision was to create a brand new video game console not that competed with anything that's out there okay. you know Sony and Microsoft are doing their thing you yeah. know with the you know hardcore gamers and mm-hmm. uh, and Nintendo does its thing with the Switch and, and, and their audience but I wanted something much bigger um a bigger audience and and the huge gaping hole i see in the industry is if the home consoles are too expensive they are too um complicated for most people um mm. they're uh you know like i said there's a lot of money grab stuff with loot boxes or in-app right. purchases and um complicated the controllers are 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 complex you know my dad can't pick up a playstation controller right. or even a switch controller you yeah. know and so I, I i'm unable to play video games with my dad me and my wife my wife you know she was part of the you know she's like at the end of the millennial or the beginning of the millennial generation she's 34 mm. years old and okay. she grew up on pokemon and and stuff like that like cool. that was her jam right okay and um And so, like, we both love video games, Mm -hmm. but we don't – there's none that we even like together. Like, we don't even play together, right? It's it's sad. It's pathetic. And a (laughs) lot of things like that. And then when the internet creeped in to the industry in the late 90s, you know, multiplayer now meant – a kid in a dark room with their headphones on. That's right. what multiplayer gaming is these days, right? Yeah. And it's rare that there's, like, couch co-op games that are, like, four, six players. And again, there are certain stuff out there. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It mm. does. You, you play a game like Smash Brothers, right? True. But Smash Brothers is a hardcore game. There's games right. like Jackbox on mobile. But yeah. that's, like, the only one that's like that, you know? So, so and it's very popular. So, the reality is there's 200 million hardcore gamers in the world that's mm. if you add up playstation xbox switch and the pc gamers okay there's 200 million hardcores yet there's three billion people <laughs> that play casual games every day wow. on either mobile devices or, or, or other things right, right? Yeah. and those three billion people are not playing home consoles mm. because it's too complicated, all the reasons I just mentioned. Yeah. And the reality is, is that all of the people who are playing hyper-casual games mm. or edutainment games for kids, all of those people can only play that stuff on mobile devices. Mm-hmm. But the problem with mobile devices, aside from you know always trying to grab your money and all that stuff or in-app ads, yeah. The problem is, is that it's all solitary, and mm. and it sucks as a controller, you know, a, a phone. Um, but it's all sol- solitary. So every single hyper casual game that's out there is solitary, mm-hmm. right? And so that's the that genesis of the Amico, okay. uh, or of Amico. Um, Amico is the Italian word for friend, Uh-oh. and in television Amico is basically, you know, it's a it's a game system created for families and friends to get together. Yes, every game has a, uh, you know, has a single player, Mm -hmm. but also every game has a couch co-op or versus mode as well every game is $9.99 or less in the digital store our our, our basic um, it comes with two video game controllers which are basically amazing pieces of technology way more advanced than anything of the other controllers that are out there Color touch screen, speaker, microphone gyroscope, accelerometer wireless charging, complete RFID, LED lit up buttons, LED Disc ring, sixty-four position disc with four um, four different pressure points. Uh, I mean, it's 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 an you know incredible technology uh, feat of technology, wow. um, and we give you two of them, and you can hook up to eight mobile devices oh, nice. or eight other devices to the machine. Download our free app, and eight people can be playing, um, and every single game is rated E. Plus 10 or E for everyone Meaning gotcha. we don't have any Violence and blood and sexual Content on there so it's mm-hmm. safe content For everyone think And that doesn't mean like everything's like this Kitty game stuff and blah 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 um, Or like match Three games no it just means like When we were growing up we didn't have blood And violence nope. and all that stuff You know it, it think of it like Disneyland Like when you go to mm. Disneyland you got Space Mountain you got Star Wars yeah. You got Marvel you got <laughs> Mm -hmm. Uh, the Indiana Jones ride like there's stuff for adults that doesn't need to be like I said rated R or even rated PG And so that's what we're at Um, and so we've you know our four pillars of our company are simple affordable family and entertainment those four words spell out safe Simple, affordable family entertainment, and and um, and that's what we're about, and that's what we're bringing back. We want to bring back simple gameplay, affordable gaming with family and friends in the same room together. And I don't care how um, how you know what level of gamer you're at. Mm -hmm. I want a grandfather to be able to (laughs) beat a 25 year old hardcore uh, kid who who plays. Fortnite every day right. and and I want an 8 year old girl to be able to beat that hardcore gamer as well right I want wives and husbands playing together who normally never do I want kids I want young kids I want this to be their first machine you know mm. focusing a lot on kids 2 to 7 years old because there's oh. nothing out there for them in right. the home consoles anymore right there used to be in the 90s not anymore because yeah. all that stuff moved over to mobile and it's all like crappy Flash type stuff or yeah. Flash type games and all single single stuff. Mom can't play with their five year old kid anymore. Yep. Mom walks into Walmart or Mom walks into to GameStop and says, "Hey, do you have anything you can sell me for my four <laughs> or five year old?" GameStop has to turn them away. Mm. There's nothing in there anymore. You know, so so th- that's the thing. So we we focus on Smart. you know everyone. And we think we're going to sell to hardcore gamers as well. I just don't think that, like, they're not going to buy Amico instead of a PlayStation 5 right. but it'll be like their second or third machine because it's so cheap it's we're, we're less than half the price of a PlayStation 5 gotcha. and you get five free uh, quality games on board and you get two controllers huh. and all the games are 999 or less and there's no in-app <laughs> purchases or loot boxing or right. DLCs or any of that stuff and everything's fun family safe and we have retro reimagined, we have sports games, everything's super easy, so anyone can get in and play. So, that's that's what in, uh, Amico is. For anyone interested, please check out our website, IntellivisionAmico.com. Get on our mailing list. We have an amazing YouTube channel, which will show you what the games look like, show you us making the machine and its progression. Um, yeah, and this isn't a Kickstarter. It's not an Indiegogo campaign right. like Ouya or Atari. This is uh, you know private investments. Um funding this whole thing uh, and we're, we're not asking people for money up front or anything mm-hmm. like that. Now we did do a Founders Edition because we wanted to give something special okay. to the to our Uber fans. And so we did a 20 – and this was the kind of poke fun at Atari. Okay. We did a Founder's Edition and I did 2,600 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and, and we did a Founder's Edition. We wanted to give a lot of value. It's about $400 in value and we sold them for $299 and all we asked for is a $100 – deposit which is completely 100% refundable at any time but we wanted to have people serious about it so they put down a hundred bucks can I tell you we sold 2600 all 2600 founders editions in about five hours it was unbelievable the investors went crazy all of our big box retailers went nuts so it was just kind of a proof of concept kind of thing as well as giving back to our most ardent fans right Um so we're just we're just riding the wave right now, man. We're finishing up the hardware. We okay. got a you know a couple more weeks of that to go. Then we go into extensive, probably two almost three months of hardcore testing mm. on the hardware, creating the dev kits, and then we hit mass production. We go into production uh, and manufacturing. You know, uh, hopefully around April, maybe the end of April, okay. depending
0: on this whole coronavirus thing, which is oh,
2: affecting everyone.
0: True. Uh, that's right. And, uh, and that's, that's what it's going, and we're going to launch ten, ten, twenty, twenty. 2020 Oh, beautiful. That's just literally around the corner. Eight months away. Wow. Okay, I have one question about the games. Are you going to bring back old Intellivision games, uh, or are you going to have original games? All, all of it. So about oh, okay. 20%... About twenty percent of our uh,
2: library is what I call retro reimagined. Mm. Not only are we bringing back all the old and television games that we own, mm-hmm. but I went out and I got every single retro license there is. Even stuff from Atari. I got oh, twelve shit. of the best Atari games from Centipede to Asteroids to Breakout to Missile Command, oh, Adventure, wow. Yars of Revenge. I got them all. Wow. Right, okay. and so we're at Burger Time, and burger time. you know we're. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Frogger and Pac-Man I mean we got uh, so much so much amazing stuff that 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 we have right Um, uh, Bump and Jump and you know everything where where We're doing all these retro reimagined games, and so we take the original gameplay, and then we make the graphics much better. We make the audio much better. We add in multiplayer and couch co-op modes, um, but we don't really change the gameplay that much, you know? Mm. Uh, And so... And then, so that's about 20% of our library. Another 20% of our library is edutainment type stuff for the younger kids, whether it's Sesame Street or Disney or Mm. Nickelodeon, uh, doing a lot of that type of stuff, educational stuff. Um, We're doing 20% are like sports and recreation. So not only your baseball, football, basketball, soccer, Mm. but... Also, recreational sports like cornhole and oh, and bowling nice. and skiing and and uh, uh, bocce and and shuffleboard—all the games that grandpa's gonna love and everybody's gonna love playing together. Twenty um, percent of our stuff are like. hyper casual stuff like match three and crossword puzzles Mm. card games dice games like Farkle card games like Spades um, board games TV show stuff you know whether it's Wheel of Fortune or Jeopardy or Monopoly or Scrabble you know that kind of stuff as well Um, and then another 20% is all original IPs these are games that no one's ever seen or heard of that we're creating specifically just for our machine a lot of indie developers are are jumping on board because remember we handpick Mm -hmm. Every single title that goes on. It's not an open
3: platform. It's not like Steam or mobile where you're going to get a
2: thousand new
3: games a week and zero curation. Or like even the eShop
2: store Nintendo, a thousand games a year. Like, yeah, how's that going to work out (laughs) quality-wise? Or for the poor developer who pours their heart and soul into something only to never be recognized because there's so much other stuff out on the market, right? Mm -hmm. We're the exact opposite of that two in television games will never come out at the same time okay now we're gonna launch with five games on board and probably anywhere from 20 to 30 titles in our store to begin with mm-hmm. but then we're gonna come out with a new game every 10 to 14 days brand gotcha. new game that's gonna be you know on everyone's uh you know radar when it comes out um and so every person who turns on the machine will see a demo, uh, a playing of, of whatever the, the highlighted game is for that week. Right. And so th- this is you know this is something that we feel really strongly about where, you know, I'm just so kind of tired of the industry doing the same old, same old, same old, mm. every day, cut and dry. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people are reacting to this, you know, we're getting back to the roots, we're coming at it from a completely different angle, we're the complete underdogs, we're the rock Balboa, the video game industry, Love and it. so we hope people are cheering for us. Yeah. Um, but you know, um, yeah, that's that's kind of what we're doing. We don't feel like Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo are. Um, we don't feel like there are competition. We're doing yeah. something completely different, uh, kind of in our own lane. And uh, and we we feel you know it's time for uh, somebody else that can make some noise. Everybody at the company is super passionate. You can probably tell that I'm passionate about it. Yeah. Well, we have a whole team of people and hundreds of people who are just as passionate as I am who are working on this thing. So it's uh it's pretty exciting, super cr- uh, crazy, and amazing amazing and
0: uh, yeah I think we're gonna like Muhammad Ali we're gonna shock the world well you got me sold that's for sure I can't wait because I'm a i am aii say it on the show I've said it in the past I don't play multiplayer online because I don't like I like to play couch co-op. I'm I grew That's up right. on that. Well, you love this machine. It'll that was my thing. Machine. Per, well, speaking of uh, uh, growing up, one of the games you worked on before we get into the dumbass of the week and I'll let you go was Earthworm Jim. And I heard you're bringing that back to television? Yeah. So 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 the
2: original team, you know, I, I mean half of the original Earthworm Jim team works for me right now at Ant Television. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, like internally like they're employees. Uh, you know, I mean, a male like well, I say employees. I don't like using that word. They're team members <laughs> with there me. You know, um, art director Mike Dietz was the animation director of Earthworm Jim, Disney's Aladdin, mm. Cool Spot, Global Gladiators, all our favorites. Oh wow! Yes, uh, and and so yeah, so I got the original Earthworm team back together got the license to create it's the only brand new earthworm gym game we got the exclusive license the original team 25 years later and we're going to make a brand new earthworm gym game if people think all we're going to do is just do some 2D platform game you are sadly mistaken we are (laughs) going you're going to play a game like you've never played a game before it's all about humor it's all about expecting the unexpected and the Only controller and system that we were able to pull off all the stuff we always wanted to pull off is on the Amico, on on Amico with the Amico controller. Mm -hmm. I I hate calling it the Amico. I never do that. I call it Amico (laughs) Um, uh, because we think of it as a as a as a person, a thing, uh, a a pal, a buddy, you know. but anyway, so yeah, that's coming back, and uh, we have another couple other big, big teams from the early 90s that we've gotten back together as well that we haven't announced yet. Okay. Um, they're also making a huge comeback, and as, again, some of the biggest selling games of that era. Oh, Very
0: I, exciting. I can't wait. Okay, I just have one suggestion, please, from someone who yeah. plays a lot of video games for Earthworm Jim. I please. loved it. It's one of my favorites. I probably rank it up. I liked the Genesis version better. Me too. Please don't make it as hard as it was. I want to actually get to the end no, and see no, the no, ending. No, no, no. We've we've already talked about. That. <laughs> okay. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you see, you have to understand something. Huh? This is uh, get some good. This will give you some insight as, okay. as to
2: making video games back then. So the thing to remember is back then, you know video games you only had a certain amount of space you you typically had like you know 10 or 12 levels that you could do right right and we would put in there and everybody knew about this who was making games back then because remember you could rent video games from like blockbuster and shit right of course and so you had to put in there what was called the rental buster right (laughs) so meaning We wanted to make, because people usually rented games for like, you could rent them for a night or three nights or maybe five nights, but typically it was like three nights. So we had to, we didn't want to make the game totally easy because if you blew through it in like, you know, the entire game in like three or four hours, if you made it too, if you made it too easy, because again, there just wasn't enough space to put in 30 levels. Right. Right. And so you can only do about 12, 15 levels, maybe max back then but you also like the third level you wanted to just like frustrate people because it's like <laughs> yes. because Nobody rented the game for like three bucks, yeah. finished it in, in three days, then you're screwed. Then you don't sell them the game. So gotcha. what you wanted to yeah. do is give them a really amazing taste and then put that rental buster level in there so that when they brought the game back, they wanted to go out and buy it. So so that Earthworm Jim had those rental busters in there. If you remember the underwater level from the original Earthworm Jim, mm-hmm. that was our rental buster. You know, That was oh, a tough, tough level. You weren't going to get by that nope. playing it. Five times in a row or even 10 times in a row. You had to memorize that bitch and, and oh. hope for the best. So, so yeah, that was the way games were done back then because right. of those reasons. Now we have just so many cool ideas. Don't worry. It's okay. not going to be difficult because remember <laughs> what Intellivision's motto is.
0: That's right. Our
2: motto is together again. Yeah. and we want everyone we want grandma to be able to sit down pick up our controller and be able to contribute in some <laughs> way shape or form to earthworm gym imagine how funny this is going to be
0: oh my god i can't wait like i said I, I'm, I'm now i'm really looking forward now that you told me it's not going to be hard i'm like okay good i'm 100 percent all in <laughs> ready for the dumbass of the week Yeah. it all right, so we're both married men, so yeah. I don't know if you would ever do this if you were to ever divorce from your wife, but okay, I, I don't even know how to relate to this, and okay, let's just get right into it, and, and then we'll we'll see our thoughts. So a uh, 40-year-old man, so again, sort of our age range, so we could contest to this guy. He's from Iowa, that's all I'll say, because I don't want to out this guy either, and he's getting a divorce from his wife. So apparently she's... Did he take place in the Iowa caucus? That's what I want oh, to Oh, good one, right? <laughs> uh, already, Iowa and dumbass is kind of like <laughs> melted together this week. But go ahead. <laughs> That's a coincidence. I didn't even think of that. Again, I'm Canadian, so I don't try and follow American right. politics as much. Yeah, yeah. Can I give you a suggestion? Sure. No. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> so... Apparently, his wife gave him so much headaches. Like, he hated her so much, he just wanted to get over and done with. So, they were in court trying to get the divorce, and kids were involved and everything. So, it was a hard battle going back and forth. So, this guy's suggestion to, to the judge was to have a sore duel to the end. Is this is oh, okay. So, this is not a true story. Okay, no, yes, go ahead. It is a true story.
2: Oh, it is
0: a true story. All my stories are true. Oh, okay. I didn't know this. Okay, keep going. (laughs) So he asked the judge if he could challenge his wife to a duel, because apparently, let me see here. Let me pull up this story. Uh, Hopefully it was a duel in a video game. No, no, no. On the field of battle, apparently, is what they wanted, what he wanted to do, because um, let me see here. It's actually still legal in certain states, because it's such an old (laughs) law that they forgot to take it out of the record books. Okay. And now, get, check this out. In a perfect world, you think the judge would be like, no, nah, you're you're a stupid idiot. I'm going to throw this out of court. It's done and over with, right? Okay. The, jur- the judge recessed for a few weeks to contemplate to see if it's worthy of them to actually duel. Oh, man. Now, who's the dumbass here? Is it the judge or is it the guy who wants to duel his ex-wife? guy who wants to duel his ex-wife. Because, <laughs> I mean, the, the judge's
2: responsibility as a as a you know, person of the law, if it's on the books, right. he's got to, he, he's got to, you know, he's got to do what he was sworn in to do, which is, you know, look at this thing. And, and, uh, you know, he can't just break the law because he feels like it. He's got to, you know, he, he's got to go by the books. And that was, that's what he was elected to do and what he's paid to do. So I, I give him, uh, you know, I give him a pass. Oh so it's the guy who thought of it, which was, You know, the dumbass, because, you
0: know, why would you want to do that, your kids, you know what I mean? Right. So, I give him the dumbass. Oh, my God. Have you ever had a a breakup so bad that you wanted to challenge your ex to a duel? (laughs) Let
2: me think about this. Hold on. Um, No, you know, not really. I mean, like, every single one of my exes, I could you know call up today and have a conversation oh. with like i i never never left anyone on you know super bad terms maybe one but but no <laughs> for the
0: most part uh no, I am I stayed friends with all my exes. Oh, you're one of those. No, I'm the complete opposite. Not, not now. I mean, not now. Oh, I'm okay. I'm just saying, though, I could, if
2: I was single, I could call any of them ah. up
0: and have a great conversation and go out to dinner. Oh, gotcha. Oh, okay, then. Fantastic. I think, I, I don't I, have... I would, I would never do that, but, you know. I don't have any crazy well I had one crazy actually stalked me for a few weeks, but that's about it but I mean the
2: thing to me which which I always find interesting about you know like people who like hate their exes and like who talk shit about their exes mm-hmm. it's like it's really just a reflection of yourself, isn't it like, oh, yeah. like like you picked them no one forced you to be so if it so if you made such a bad decision then that's on you as well. Like don't blame the other person. You made that decision as well. So I guess I just always made
0: cool decisions, good decisions. So, Oh, there you go. You're lucky then in that sort. (laughs) All right. Now's your time to shine. Where can people find you? Where can people order in television? Look forward to it. Drop dates, news, all that fun stuff. Intellivisionamico.com.
2: Join the mailing list. We also are very, uh, very active on Facebook and Twitter at just look up in television and um, look for the blue Running Man logo, and um, also YouTube channel. Please Hmm. check out our YouTube channel and subscribe there uh, cause we drop stuff every couple weeks now and it's really, nice. really fun and amazing stuff. Um, me personally, uh, you can check out my website at tellarico.com. It's T-A-L-L-A-R-I-C-O, um, dot com. And you find out all my information and videos and my bio and all the games I've worked on nice. and television news and all that stuff is, is there video games, live stuff, um, I have a really cool picture section. If you go and look at images, you'll see me with a whole bunch of famous people and uh, a whole bunch of uh, animal. The animal section to me is hilarious. You'll see me Mm -hmm. with pandas and kangaroos and just the craziest things that you've never seen people with before. Um, But um, (laughs) anyway, uh, and then, of course, I have a Facebook page and and Twitter as well.
0: Those are my uh, main, main deals. That's awesome for myself it or could video games live if you want oh. to see a show coming near you, check out videogameslive dot com and get on that mailing list too, and we'll email you when we're coming to your area now uh another question about video games live quickly, do you have like a soundtrack on Spotify or anywhere where people could just oh, yeah, listen yeah, yeah, a- yeah we oh, got, okay. Uh, we got a whole ton if you go to video games dot uh,
2: com you can you can hear them if you go on com, you can hear them oh, nice. you okay. look on amazon itunes spotify you just put in video games live um, we have six major symphony studio recorded albums
3: oh, six of them. Okay. and
2: all of them have debuted in the top 10 on the billboard charts wow um And so, yeah, video games live, and they're called Level 1, Level 2, Level 3, Level 4, Level 5, and Level 6 came out last year. Level 6 is my personal favorite. We got stuff like Undertale and Zelda and some amazing stuff on that one. Um but uh level five is one of my favorites too five and six level four is great you know level three is very popular anyway um, (laughs) uh,
3: and we also have piano albums we do as well so we have like the donkey kong
2: country piano oh my favorite boss and chrono trigger piano albums okay zelda majora's mask piano albums Mm. so yeah all that stuff's on spotify itunes and amazon
0: as well fantastic and for myself you can find me on instagram and twitter under finger styles follow the podcast on twitter the podcast app email us your thoughts suggestions comments anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com rewind to the top of the show please support the sponsors because if it helps them out it helps me out and obviously the most important rate subscribe review on all the major platforms whatever you decide to listen on everyone has some sort of rating system so it all helps out in the long run all good my friend awesome man i appreciate it thanks so much for talking to me and uh, i can't wait for you to send me the link and i will blast it to everybody that will listen that's fantastic one last question before i let you go i always do this to my guests always coming up here to canada and being here for so long and working with canadians all the time what's the thing you miss the most about canada
2: uh the politeness really yeah (laughs) compared to america are you
0: kidding me (laughs) Um, I no, guess. No, yeah, people have a lot of, uh,
2: you know, it, it, I mean, I don't know, maybe it's different for you because you're in Toronto and more of a metropolitan city. But, right. but you know, like my mom was born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario. Oh, OK. My, my wife was born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario. You know, even Vic, who grew up, uh, you know, around the Vancouver area, he right. moved around a lot when he was a kid. But, you know, you know, like you said, Vic, Vic's like the polite Canadian and, and. Uh, <laughs> You know, people are, are very genuine. You know, I, I'm I'm here in California, Southern California. A lot of phony people out here. You know, in the yeah. entertainment business and stuff like right, that. Right. See, I'm I'm like I said, I'm from the East Coast, New Yorker, Massachusetts. <laughs> out there, people tell you how you feel. Right. They tell you how you feel. They don't give a shit about your feelings. <laughs> they, they just tell it like it is. Right. Which yeah, is yeah. really cool. People in California are phony asses. Mm. Right and so what you got in canada but they're phony asses but they're like overly nice hi how you doing you know so what i love about canada is a great cross and combination of those two things you got people who are honest but who are polite as well so yeah that that's the uh that's what i love
0: one of the things i love about canada and canadians it's true because i dub myself the to earth it's yeah yeah that is yeah we are down to earth and i dub myself sometimes the nicest asshole you'll meet so i guess it ties all together (laughs) there you go (laughs) perfect on that note he's tommy i'm steve this is the podcast peace